Siren sounds. Richmond win will hold the song until Dusty lines up. Dusty puts the icing on top of the tiger cake. Richmond home by 38 points. Welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Yes, Richmond beat West Coast by 38 points at Optus Stadium yesterday. I thought it was quite a credible effort from the Eagles, apart from a few minutes either side of half time. Craig O'Donoghue was there to cover the game for the West Australian. We've got uh, a few thoughts on the game coming through on the Temper at Bedshed text line. If you want to share those thoughts with us, 0487 736 736 is the number to send them through on, or you can even give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55. But Craig is already on the line. Craig, welcome. How are you, Duff? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Well, rate that effort from West Coast yesterday. They had a crack, which is, I think, the best thing that you can ever ask from them at the moment. It was obvious that they were giving their all the entire time. The first quarter could have been an absolute disaster with only six inside 50s and uh, I think it was 18 to Richmond, but there was reasons for that given that they had injuries left, right and centre in that first quarter with, with McGovern going off for a, a concussion test, Jinby having a hamstring, and then Barris fell from a significant height and looked like he was gone as well. So they were having trouble working out what the back line was going to do to, to, to fix the problems of not having tall players. So you can understand that, and they held them quite tightly there. But then the midfield fell apart a bit in that third quarter when they got onto, got onto a roll. And then um, throughout other periods of the game, they looked really good and were high pressure, moving the ball really well, giving their forwards a chance and kicking goals. So it was an up-and-down performance from a consistency point of view, but you can see why when they were poor, the reasons that they were poor. So I think they'll take some encouragement from it. Um, what did you make of Dusty Martin on Alex Witherden and Marlon Pickett on Jeremy McGovern, both off the ball, both uh, rock the Eagles players? Yeah, the, the, the vision of the Martin one wasn't great to be able to get a really clear view of it. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, zoomed in a little bit more and um, have, have a bit more of an idea about what, what it actually was. But if you go on just what we have at the moment, it looks like he's elbowed him in the guts. That's what so, he's, well, clearly that's what he's done. I mean, there's enough. Yeah. I would have thought we don't need any clearer footage than we've got to see that he's elbowed him in the guts. Yeah, so if we, if, we, if we assume that's the case, well, he's whacked him and he can't do it. So he deserves to get a week for something like that. Uh, and we've seen other players get suspended for a lot less. So I think, I think he's in um, a, a lot of strife. Uh, if, if, if there's a better angle, they need angles. That's the big thing. That When it comes to the MRO, they, they, they can't go on guesswork or we think this is what was there. They needed a little bit more to be able to actually lay the charge. Um, so it's one of those ones where I think, um, and you mentioned the picket one, the government as well, the MRO will go through everything, have a look at all the vision, and where there's smoke, there's fire is normally the case, and you can usually turn around and say, well, he's in strike. So if, if we draw a line through the Dane Rampey one in the game on the weekend that gets weeks, surely picket, yep. picket gets weeks as well, unsuspecting play off the ball, no football function to what Pickett did. I yep. mean, the commentators called it a block. It was just a pick-off, wasn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think the, the, when you look at the Rampy one, the Rampy one um, was so far off the footy and McNeil wasn't even looking any direction. I think we need to be really careful saying these are football actions, similar with the, the Pickett and McGovern one, which was a little bit closer to the actual contest. But McGovern had no right to think he was going to get hit in the way that he did. And when a player isn't looking at the person who's coming towards him and has his eyes focused purely on the ball, 
whether it's 40 metres, 50 metres or 10 metres away, that player can't just be picked off for the sake of it. And they can say, oh, it's just a block. Oh, he was just trying to get in his way. Oh, he was trying to provide his teammates some protection. But it's really dangerous when you know what you're doing and your opponent has no idea that it's about to come. Now, Oscar Allen did hurt his shoulder in the first quarter. He was one of the blokes that went down. He came back. He played well. He kicked three goals. But do you have any mail on how he pulled up and how he's likely to pull up? Is that uh, Did he get some medical intervention to help him through the game? And are we likely to see a sore Oscar this week? They seemed pretty confident he was okay in the, in the room afterwards. Simo was sort of saying that they felt he was all right. Uh, you just never know how someone wakes up, though, do you, with something like that. Like, he could wake up sore as a boil and, and struggle for the rest of the week. So it's a wait and see on something like that, I think. But the fact he kicked the three goals, was able to move quite well afterwards. Whether you have an injection or not, I reckon if you, if you don't have the mobility to actually lift your arms up above your head or, or, or to compete, then it, it becomes pretty obvious. But I thought that the fact that he competed as well as he did and kicked those goals was, was a really promising sign that he might have escaped uh, any real injury when, when he went down initially. It looked horrible. It did, and I wonder whether the fact that he was able to reach for a mark, I think his first mark, which he took on the goal line, and kicked the goal from, that probably tells you that maybe the shoulder's getting a bit loose because he does have that shoulder strapped, and I guess the, the ongoing worry is whether it's going to get to a stage where it's just popping out all the time. Perhaps it slid in and out or slid out and in um, fairly easily. Um, what happened in the minutes after halftime, Cod, when... Uh, Richmond banged on four. Where did West Coast go wrong there? West Coast couldn't get their hands in the footy in a nutshell. Like when it when it went when it went bad, it went bad in the middle. They got centre clearances and kicked goals from those centre clearances, and it was really bang, 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 bang. Um, and I think it was four goals in six minutes it worked out it worked out to being. So uh, when it, when it's that quick and you and you lose control of the centre square like, like West Coast did, Richmond is so powerful with how they can run and move, and move the ball. They'd been inaccurate in the first half, couldn't kick goals to save themselves, and then they they started being accurate again and couldn't miss. So um, yeah, they struggled to halt the momentum, and that's been a problem that we've seen with West Coast throughout the year. They actually, ended up being seven unanswered goals um, from the midway through the second quarter to, to that eight or nine minute mark of, of the third quarter. So uh, there was one fairly early in, I think it was the 11 minute mark of the second was the first one. So you know, it, that wasn't really a momentum thing, but um, from the last two of the that second half to the first four of the third third quarter, they'd be looking back and going, why can't, when teams get away from us, can't we do something to stop them quicker than what we do? Because that's been the problem for them all year. Yeah, the ones just before halftime felt a bit careless and uh, uh, just things that happened. But the ones after halftime uh, was a real concern. I thought they dug in and scrapped really well after that. And I, I got the feeling that at times in the game after that, they actually had um, the upper hand over Richmond and they were just too far back to really threaten to win. Yeah, and I think it was Petrovsky Seaton who had the chance to bring it to less than four goals at one point, um, and and he missed that shot. And if he, if he hadn't made that, and that becomes a really important moment in the game where suddenly Richmond turn around and go, hang on, oof. 46 up, and now we're, now it's only 21 points. So um, but those are the goals you've, got, you've really got to kick to make sure you have the, the mental pressure on your opposition and have them wondering, well, have the crowds up and about, maybe this, this could happen. Surely we can't lose to West Coast, given no one else has for so long. And you, you can put that pressure on. But he missed, and then um, they were able to steady from there. So uh, th- there were times where West Coast looked like they were the team that Adam Simpson talking about what he wants them to become, putting a lot of pressure on, moving the ball quicker, uh, just get, winning contested possession, all, all those sorts of things. There were, there were positive signs throughout the game.
What did you make of Andrew Gaff? Made the sub, which was interesting in the first place, but then came on and, and probably had one of his better games for the season. Had one of his better games for the season and was coached in the right way. It's amazing to think that he had eight ten-of-ounce attendances yesterday. So in the middle for eight of, which was more than 40% of the game he spent in the centre square. He hadn't spent a single moment in the centre square since the last time they played Richmond, which was in round eight. So that's 240-odd centre bounces, and he hadn't been inside for one of them. He gets more than you know, more than 40% of the centre bounces yesterday and finds the footy. So he was given an opportunity to go where the ball was, found the ball, got confident, and ran differently to what we've seen Andrew Gap running in recent weeks as well. I think you described him as a metronome the other day, where he just gets in that marathon running sort of style. He was change of pace, fart like sort of running yesterday when he, when he was running. He was charging inside 50 to create an option as well, whereas normally we see him pushing hard to get into the back line. So he was giving himself the chance to get the ball in different situations, and the coaches put him in situations where he was going to get the ball as well. So the question will be now, does he spend more time inside again this week, or does he go back to the wing where he's been struggling to find the ball? And was that a sugar hit? Because everyone gets worried when you get told you're out of the 22, you're the sub, and mentally you change everything about how you prepare and play. Or is that what we're going to see in the future? I don't think we're really going to know enough about Andrew Gaff and where he stands until we see him next next week and the week after where that, that pressure that applied, was applied to this week isn't there. Question I've asked the listeners, Cod, and I'll get your input on it on the temper at Bedshed text line. People, uh, we've got some good messages coming through. Keep them coming on 0487 736 736. If you're Adam Simpson and you can make one change between now and the end of the season to find something out about your team, what would you do if you were Simo between now and the end of the year? One change between now and the end of the, and the end of the year. That's a bloody, that's a bloody good question. Um, question without notice. I love these sorts of things. It makes. I think. Oh, he's, he's already put Elijah Stewart into the, into the midfield for a substantial portion, so that, so that can't can't be a change. He, he wanted to throw Tom Barris forward at one point during the year. So if you can find a game where, where he, he can throw him forward and see if that works, because he reckons Barris has been you know, hassling him left, right, and centre, then suddenly Bazo comes into the team and gets some opportunities in, in defence, then I reckon that could be a move where you can find out, you know, if Tom Barris reckons he can play forward, give him that opportunity, give Bazo some, some games in the back line and, and, and see what happens from there. That might be one move where you can find a bit out about the, the player who is asking to play in a position and find a bit about... Um, the player who needs to play uh, because he's a young guy playing as, as a key backman. So, and if it doesn't work, you can just bring him back and, and change everything around again. But that's something that I reckon he might experiment with at some point in the next few weeks. Elliot Yo, how far away is he? Not this week, uh, according to Simo. He said that, that uh, highly unlikely um, against Carlton. He was running like an old man the other day when I saw him. Like He didn't look like he was even close to coming back. So I would have thought, uh, I think that was last Monday, so um, we're a week away from that now. So if he doesn't play against Carl this week, he's got another two weeks um, to, to prepare. So I would have thought they might consider him for the week after. But, yeah, he, he doesn't look like this a bloke who has the confidence in his body to be moving um, the way you need to move to play at AFL level. Hey, I often ask you about tribunal matters, and I'm going to ask you about this one. Now, I stress at the outset, I have no issue with the 
Braden Maynard tackle on Michael Walters on Saturday uh, before the crackdown on dangerous tackles. I think it's a tackle in the spirit of the game. It's brutal. It's aggressive. But it's what we would have described as a fair tackle. But given we're going on the potential to cause serious injury and head injury here, how does the AFL tribunal come at the come to the conclusion that Caleb Sarong's tackle on Adam Chera is more likely to cause a head injury than Braden Maynard's tackle on Michael Walters on Saturday? Yeah, it's, good. it's a good question because Braden Maynard didn't have control of Michael Walters. He he hit him really, really hard. He slammed him into the ground really, really hard, as Braden Maynard does, but he had zero control over what was actually going on. So he was rolling the dice on, on how they would both land and whether there would be any problem from it. And, and that's how Braden Maynard tackles all the time. He is bull of the gate slam people as hard as you can, go at the ribs, and then when you land, you land hard. Whereas Caleb Sarong was a short bloke tackling someone who was, you know, Sherrod would probably 10 centimetres taller than him, so it's hard when you lose control of someone taller to control their body and protect the head when you're trying to pull them back onto yourself. So I think it'll be interesting to see whether there's a crackdown and they start saying that you can't be as vigorous as what Braden Maynard is in an uncontrolled situation because... Uh, I'm not sure how you police that from an umpiring point of view or from an MRO point of view with the wording of the rules. So we know that it's all about protecting the head and not slinging and dumping and all that sort of stuff, but just literally going through them like Maynard does, how do you word that to make it um, either legal or illegal? It's, it's It's a challenging part of the game. Don't we need to just get back to the consequences of? I mean, if we're talking about something that causes head injury, wait till it's caused a head injury. Because it's it's become a nonsense. Yeah. We all watched the Sarong one, and no one thought anything untoward of it until the MRO cited him. And we watched the Maynard one, which is brutal. And Walters gets up pulling grass off of his face, which means his head's hit the ground. And and one and I think the eye test is everything, isn't it? Like when you look at it and you go, ooh, then that's yeah. the instant reaction that there's something wrong. When you when you don't turn around and go, oh, there's something wrong there, or if the umpire doesn't even think it's a free kick and no player even reacts in any way and there's no injury, then normally you should look at that and go, well, that's just part of the game. But when you instantly react, and, and I reckon everyone watching the game went, oh, my God, when Braden Barnard hit Walters, when there's an automatic reaction, you know that there's something where everyone goes, not sure if we're comfortable with that, whereas there certainly was no reaction with the wrong one. Well, to make the point and be clear on it, I'm comfortable with the Maynard tackle. I'm just not comfortable with that getting off when Sarong gets done. I think there has to be consistency, and, and to me, that just doesn't make any sense. If you showed someone from Denmark, as in the Danes, you showed them those two incidents and they didn't know anything about footy and, and you said to them, which one of these is more likely to cause a head injury? There's no prizes for guessing which one they pick, is there? No, exactly, exactly, and that, and, and that, that is correct. It's it's all about you know, what they're cracking down on at a certain time, and they, and they think of something else afterwards at times. Yeah. Cod, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Look forward to reading your stuff in the West Australian newspaper and, uh, and look forward to chatting again on the show. No worries. Thanks, Duff. Have a good day. Craig O'Donoghue, what are your thoughts? You can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line. And we've got some really good messages coming through, both on the moves that the coaches should make and also on the Maynard tackle stacked up against the Sarong tackle. As I mentioned, keep them coming through on the temper at Bedshed text line. We'll take a break and be back in the Toolkit Depot studio after the break.